Welcome to Hope City Church, Melbourne, Australia. Stay tuned for another inspiring message by Pastor Andrew McGrath. There'll be things shared today that, that may challenge you, stretch you, cause you to ponder. When you hear the word of the Lord, the, the issue is not your intellect. So I've heard people say, well, I don't understand that. Well, it's not because you're stupid, okay? Because preaching is not about information, it's about revelation. What determines whether you understand what's being spoken is not how clever you are, but how hungry you are. So that's the issue. The issue is if you're hungry and desperate for revelation, for change, you will get it. You may not get it straight away, but you will get it. You may have to go home and listen to it 10 times, but it will get in. Blessed are those that hunger and thirst for righteousness. What does that mean? It's righteousness. It means a number of things, but one of the things it means is God's way of doing things. The, the way of the kingdom. If you hunger to know how to function in the kingdom, the Bible says you will be filled. Not you may be, you will be. From the youngest to the oldest, it's a promise from God. If you are hungry to change today, if you are hungry to know how to operate in the kingdom, how to be transformed, you will be filled. You will be filled. Not maybe, you will be filled. If you walk out and you're not changed, and years to come you're not changed, it's not because you weren't clever. The enemy will lie to people and say, you're just not intelligent enough. Those things that Pastor Andrew said, they're for the deep. It's actually not true. Because I don't have the greatest intellect. It's not bad, but it's probably not the greatest. But what I have is hunger. And I pray daily, Lord, teach me your ways. Let revelation flow. Spirit of truth and revelation, fill me, teach me. And then I sit before my computer and start typing. And I was saying to one of my daughters the other day, because everyone was out, it just begins to flow. I'd have to jump up from my desk and run around the house a few times to calm down. Because all of a sudden, things begin to flow because it comes to hungry people. You can have as much as you want if you're hungry. When love takes over, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9 says, However it is written, what no eye has seen, no ear has heard, nor has it entered into the heart of man. Say heart. Nor has it entered into the heart of man the things that God has prepared for those who love him. Who love him, who love him, who love him. Then it goes on to say that the Spirit of God reveals deep things to us, things that are hidden in the heart of God. And it finishes in verse 16 by saying that we have the mind of Christ. We are to pursue God's heart and then he reveals his mind. Many people's walk with God and their destiny is, is hindered because they're trying to pursue the mind of God for their life before being established in the heart of God. So you're trying to do things for God in the kingdom, and they're not that they're wrong, but you're trying to accomplish your assignment, understand what he's called you to do, but you haven't yet come into a place of deep heart connection, for it is out of the heart of God that the mind of God is revealed. Mark chapter 4 says that the sower sows seed into the ground. The ground represents the heart. And when the mind of God comes to a heart that's not 
filled with the love of God, the enemy will always steal it. Offense, discouragement, disappointment. And so, so often we are chasing for what God's mind is. And it's just like seeds that are dropping and being stolen. Because the heart has to be prepared in love to receive the mind of God. Is this making sense? That's why Jesus said, You shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart first. Heart. We're heart people first. We're lovers of God first. Because we can, we'll stand before God and He won't be impressed so much with how much we gave, what we did. He will say, Did you learn to love? Were you transformed by love? Did you love other people? Did you receive my love? Did you love yourself? Did you allow me to love you? That's what he's going to ask you. You may want to ask him things, but what he's going to ask is the most important thing. Did you learn to love? Were you transformed by my love? Or did you remain an orphan for the rest of your life, all your life? Did you not receive my love? You'll love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, sorry, all your soul and all your mind. For many of us, we need our life turned upside down because we function through our head. I said last week when we meet people, we're ascertaining whether we connect at a mind level rather than a heart level. So I'm trying to work out whether we've got similar sort of intellect, similar sort of habits, similar sorts of, of personality or, or likes or dislikes. And if we're, we're both on the same wavelength, do you barrack for the Brisbane Lions? Well, I used to. And if all those things connect, and oh, he, he seems, she seems a good person, if we connect intellectually, then we eventually or maybe will make a heart connection down the track. Does that make sense? We often do that. Rather than first establishing, am I connected heart to heart? Because we don't seem to value what God values. See, everything in the kingdom is measured by love. That's why the widow's might was worth more than the religious millions. Because she gave from a heart of love and devotion where they gave with their mind, a duty. Everything in the kingdom is measured by love. The filter for the kingdom is love. When we get to heaven, the filter is love. Everything is love. Is, is that not what 1 Corinthians 13 says? We can speak with the tongues of angels. We can give our body to be burnt. I mean, imagine that. We'd all clap. Look at that person. They gave their life for Jesus. They were burnt at the stake. What a martyr. But Jesus says through Paul, if you don't have love, it doesn't profit you anything. The filter is love. So in the garden, we said last week that Genesis chapter 2 says that the Lord God, verse 7 formed a man from the dust of the ground and he breathed into the man's nostrils the breath of life and man became a living being. The Lord God. So this is where it all starts. He is the only one that is self-generating. I said that to you last week. He is the only one in all of creation that is complete. You need to understand this all of your life. God needs nobody to exist. He's not reliant on you or me to be complete and whole. He is whole from the beginning. The only source, the only one that is whole. Every other source, everything else is, is a source that is depleting. 
that needs to be filled. God is the only one who is full of life and love. He is the source of love. So it begins with God. So God, he forms Adam out of the dust. So it tells us that you and I are formed creations. We are containers that are built and designed to be filled by somebody or something. Try existing on your own without something or someone filling you. It's impossible. You'll go home, you'll turn the TV on, so you're being filled. You'll, you'll, you'll meet someone and you'll form a relationship. Why? Because you want to be filled. We are constantly seeking something to fill our lives. So God breathes into this container. And when God breathes into us, we become full with the very same nature that he is, for he is whole. He is a self for other God. So when that nature comes in us, we become self for other people. See, when we breathe in anything else, it is a selfish in its design thing. It can't fill us. So that's why, that's why people take drugs and they take more and more and more because nothing apart from God can fill us and cause us to be like him, which is a self for other nature. That's what love is. Love is kind and gentle. It's always giving out. So God breathes into Adam and he becomes a living being like God. A creation of love who receives love and gives love. Isn't that amazing? So I said to you last week, you need to take the time to breathe. Breathe him in. Each morning, I need your love. I am a container. I need to be filled. Something or someone today is going to fill me. That's a given. The moment you wake up, you get the choice. That's why God says, choose life or death. What's he saying? Choose who you will breathe in today. For you will breathe something in. It could be contention, anxiety, stress, pain, news, whatever it might be. You better make sure that, the, that throughout your day that you and I, I'm speaking to myself today as well, we are conscious of breathing in the love of God. For that's what sustains us and makes us whole. If you breathe in the love of God every day, you will never burn out. You will never get discouraged. Oh, you can't say that. Yes, I can. Love never fails. See, if you've burnt out, if you've got discouraged, if you're angry, oppressed, whatever it might be, anxious, the issue is that you've been breathing in something that's not love. I, I'm not being harsh because I, I do the same thing. I have like a, a mixture of oxygen and whatever, you know, love and a bit of this. And so we're breathing in multiple sources and that's why we, our hearts become anxious and we start saying and doing things that are a reflection. Our breath out is a reflection of what we're breathing in. So we need to take time to listen to ourselves. What am I saying? How am I behaving? Am I anxious, uptight? What's going through my mind? It is a reflection of what I'm breathing in. It's breathing God in, reminding ourselves that I'm a container. I need to be filled daily. If my perspective is dull, if I'm losing faith, it's because I'm not breathing him in. We complicate the Christian walk, but it's simple. God so loved the world that he breathed, he gave. 
He breathed on us. He gave. That whoever would believe in him, either it means to receive his breath, we would not perish, but we too would have everlasting breath, life. We would be lovers too. That's the gospel, isn't it? It's simple. You breathe in God, he transforms you, and you breathe him out to a world that needs the breath of God. There was a time when love reigned in Eden. Eden was this supernatural realm of love. I don't know if you ever thought about Eden, but it was a place of unconditional love. Imagine awakening to that. Never ever having fear, anger, no, no, no reverence point for anything negative in life. And you wake up to the eyes of God staring at you and God breathing his love inside you. Imagine that. Adam and Eve lived in what I call the sixth sense realm. It's the realm of faith. And this realm governed everything that they saw. Because they were established in love, Everything that they saw around them came out of this faith realm because faith worked through love. They were born as lovers of God. They had absolute confidence in that love. See, because faith, true faith comes because you have been established in love. I can have faith in somebody that loves me. I have little faith in people that don't love me. But they were born into this love realm. And so everything was filtered through that. So their faith, their eyes to see and their, their ability to speak all was birthed out of love. And so this faith realm that they had, it, it dominated everything that they saw in the natural. Think about that. They were like their father. They'd look at darkness and they'd call it light. It's profound when you think about it because it will determine how you see life. If you are established in love, then faith comes out of that and causes you to see things that others can't see. When you know you're loved by God, you can walk into difficult circumstances and what others are saying as reality, you don't see because you know you're loved by God. Faith is a, see, faith is not something that's conjured up, faith is a natural response from being loved. That's why love is the greatest. Faith tells me, when I have great faith, it tells me that I have great understanding of being loved. Faith, I wrote, is, as I was writing, the confidence or the unconscious reality that comes from a life of love. Galatians 5, 6 says, faith works through love. The Passion says it this way, the Passion Translation Faith is activated and brought to perfection by love. But after the fall, Adam and Eve saw everything through the five sense realm. What they saw in the natural became more real than faith that was born from love. So that's what happens when you're separated from love. You begin to interpret all of life through your natural sense realm. And that's why it's interesting when you go to many churches, I've been in church all my life, and how many times have I heard people responding to how they feel and how they see. And so we're trying to address people. We tell them, you know, we don't walk by sight. If you've come today and you're feeling negative or whatever it might be, it's because 
most believers are operating in the sense realm because they haven't been established in love. It's a double-minded man, unstable in all your ways. A little bit of love and a little bit out here. We're interpreting life like we're orphans. So Satan, the master orphan, attacked the heart of Adam and Eve. And he's, he's, he does it all the time. He does it to all of us. And he introduced fear into this world of love. 1 John 4, 18 says, There is no fear in love. Did you hear that? Yeah. But perfect love casts out fear because fear involves torment. Whoever fears has not been made perfect in love. You're afraid about your future. You're worried. You're anxious. Are there things that you think about what could happen tomorrow? If there's any sense of fear, your heart is telling you, come back to love. Come back to love. Fear is an indicator that I haven't been established in love. Fear authorizes the sense realm to be the conveyor of truth. So I see a bill come in. I see a report on the TV. I hear a doctor say something to me. And fear authorizes that to be the conveyor of truth rather than the heart of God being the conveyor of truth. This is what the attack was over in the garden. Fear versus faith. The sense realm as the authorization of my life or the heart of God's love as the authorization of my life. You get to choose. The orphan spirit empowers the sense realm to interpret reality. And whenever I'm looking at the natural to interpret who I am and what's going to take place, that is an orphan spirit. Are you hearing me? It's an orphan spirit when I am looking at things, people, expressions of life, and I say, that's who I am. This is my lot in life. You've adopted an orphan spirit because you're allowing everything that you see and feel. And I know it's difficult because we, we are so caught up in the natural realm. But when you see that and you allow it to define you, you've stepped away from love. The wonderful thing as I look at this is that everything that Adam lost, Jesus regained. At the Jordan River as a man, Jesus is baptized and it says the Holy Spirit descended on, on Jesus and reclothed Jesus in the garments of love. See, the glory covered Adam and Eve. It was, see, glory is another word for the opinion of God. They were covered in God's opinion of them. You're amazing. Imagine being covered in that thought from God. That's why they didn't see their nakedness. They were covered. And so here comes Jesus, the first one from Adam, whom the Holy Ghost comes upon and remains and covers him. And as the Holy Ghost came on Jesus, the voice of God thunders from heaven. It says, this is my beloved son and I am well pleased in him. And when that word came out, Right across the world for eternity to come, God was reclothing everyone in Christ with these words. You are my beloved son and I will always be well pleased with you. And that's the identity that we are now reclothed in. That's why we can walk by faith. Because I am the beloved son 
in whom my Father is well pleased. I love this because rather than Satan coming looking for Adam in the garden, everything's reversed. Jesus comes looking for Satan in the wilderness. Sent by the Holy Ghost. Satan questions Jesus' identity because he's in a wilderness where all the natural senses are screaming. Adam's in the garden where all the natural senses are beautiful. Are you getting this? Jesus is in the wilderness. Hunger pains, demons, wild animals it's called in the scripture. It's a picture for demons. He's been assaulted. His senses are being assaulted. But he's clothed in love. He's saying to you, no matter what you're going through, I've won the battle. And love never fails. In the Garden of Eden, in the wilderness. You need to know if you are established in love, no natural sense can control you. Three questions Satan asked Jesus. Will your father provide? Will your father protect? And will your father promote? And he uses the natural senses to assault Jesus. Look at your father. He's not even providing for you. Look at your father. He won't protect you. Look at the father. He won't promote you. And in every case, Jesus established in love takes him down. Faith is energized by love. This was a faith fight. Fear came. The natural senses Jesus, full of faith, because he's established in love. He says, it is written, and takes him down. Ephesians 6.16 says that faith quenches all the fiery darts of the wicked one. No matter how much he assaults you with the realities of your life, with natural senses, with all the discouragement that he can put against you, faith will quench every dart that he throws against you because we're established in love. We're established in love. Faith works through love and demands that all the sense realm must serve love. Listen to that. Faith works through love and it demands that all the five sense realm must serve love's purpose. If any of your circumstances are trying to redefine God's love, you need to speak to them by faith and say, no, you will be a servant of the love of God. You will come into alignment with God's love. You will do as you're told. You speak to your future. If there's lack, you say, lack, you shall not define who I am. You shall come into alignment with a heart of a good, good father. You shall bow your knee. You will not define me or defy me. That's what you do. Listen to this. You may never have seen this before. Luke 17, 5, the apostle said to Jesus, Lord, increase our faith. And Jesus said, if you have faith like a mustard seed. See, it's, it's, the issue is not whether you have big faith. We know it's been established in love. Once that happens, just a little bit of faith will change everything. He said, you can save this mulberry tree, be pulled up by the roots, planted in the sea, and it will obey you. And then Jesus says this interesting thing. He said, and which of you having a servant, plowing or tending sheep, will say to him when he has come in from the field, come up at once and sit down and eat. He won't say that. He will say, 
I'm paraphrasing, get me my dinner, get your apron on, serve me. And when I've eaten and drunk, then, then at the right moment, you can eat and drink. Does he thank that servant because he did the things that were commanded him? No, he says, no, you've just done your job. I'm not going to thank you. And it says, likewise, when you have done all these things which you are commanded, you will say we are unprofitable servants. We have done what was our duty. And I used to read that and think, I have no idea what that means. This is a parable about faith and the sense realm. The sense realm here is the unprofitable servant. Jesus is saying to them, when you understand how to function in faith because you're established in love, all the sense realm will bow their knee to you. Listen to this. The five senses should never eat first. They are designed to wait on faith. Did you hear that? Everything around you that's trying to define you. What do I mean five senses? Whatever I see, hear, smell, taste, touch. All those senses should never eat first. The problem is for most Christians, we are allowing the sense realm to gorge themselves. We feed them, we feed them, we feed them. Oh, hey, how are you going today? Oh, I don't feel very well. Why not? Well, you know, I just saw the bill come in today. I just heard a bad report. It's the sense realm eating before the master. And when you're operating in the life of love, being filled with the love of God, faith will rise up and speak to the senses and say, you are designed to feed me, not me feed you. You will do as you're told. For what I hear does not line up with what I've heard in love's relationship with the Father. He said, I know the plans I have for you, Andrew, plans of hope and a future. And then the sense realm says, I'm going to take you out. I'm going to kill you. You're going to die before you're 50. And we allow them to feed when they're merely servants. Listen to this. The sense realm is to serve what faith commands. When faith says, move, the sense realm must obey. Number three, often only after the sense realm has served faith is then allowed to function and have its share. So I'm not saying the sense realm doesn't have a place. I'm not saying that we're out of the sense realm. What I am saying is once it's served faith, then it's allowed to eat. Once it's come into alignment with how I see things, then you can work. That's what happens when you live in love. This is what happened in the garden. How is it that Adam and Eve never saw that they were naked? I'll let you ponder that. I have an answer, but think about it. Because the sense realm didn't get to call the shots. It was defined by faith. Next one. These are just things that the Lord spoke to me about. The life of love must be pursued until faith becomes the master of life. The life of love must be pursued. Not faith. We pursue love. We pursue love until faith becomes the master of life. See, this is where some people have got faith wrong. They've pursued faith without love. And it never works. Love is the greatest. We pursue the life of love. I tell myself, God loves me. He thinks I'm amazing. What love God has poured out of me. He he wants to do me good. And as I feed on the love of God, 
Faith becomes the master of life. Faith is living with full belief that I am loved by my Father. And it is this faith that will master the sense realm. And lastly, faith only commands because love reigns. Think about this. This will do your head in. Enoch was so full of love that his faith would not allow him to see death. Do you get that? Enoch was so full of love that his faith would not allow him to see death. What is death? The ultimate, the ultimate magnification of the sense realm. And he was so full of love that his faith would not allow him to see what everybody else sees. And then he was taken up. His faith was in a love that never fails. It could do your head in. But that's why he was taken up. Because death had no hold on him. Faith is the confidence born from a life of love. I want to drill this into you. You don't have a faith problem. If you have any problem, it's a love revelation issue. Oh, I need more faith. You don't need more faith. You need a baptism for this next year in 1 John over and over and over until faith becomes the reality that you live from. Sorry, love becomes the reality you live from and faith will flow. My kids are deeply loved. They just help themselves to my money. I can tell some stories even from yesterday. I saw $10 notes disappearing from my wallet at an alarming rate. But they, have, they, don't, they don't have this... Oh, 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 oh. Because I know I love them. They don't have to conjure up faith. It's like, oh, will, will, what, what will Dad say? It, deep love manifests itself in faith. Does it not? Hebrews 13.5 says, Let your character be free from the love of money. And be satisfied with what you have. For God has said, I will not in any way fail you, give you up, or leave you without support. I love this scripture. I will not. I will not. I will not. In any degree, leave you helpless or forsake you or let you down or relax my hold on you, assuredly not. So take comfort and be encouraged. And we can confidently say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man, what can anything in this world do to me? Faith is the confidence born from a life of love. I will not. I will not. I will not leave you, God says. Think about this. He's speaking into your past, your present, and your future. He says, I will not let you down in your past. You may see it a certain way, but I didn't let you down. And you'll come to see in the life of love that I was always with you. You're looking at it through the natural lens. And that's why, as I said, Adam and Eve could see the glory when you would just see nakedness. Because you're looking at your life, not through love. I will not let you down in your past. I have not let you down in your present And I certainly won't let you down in your future. I will not, I will not, I will not. 
I will be with you in thought, in word, and deed. I won't let you down in my thoughts, in my words, and my deeds. I will be with you when you're attacked in the flesh, in the world, by the devil. I won't let you down when you're attacked by the flesh, or by the world, or by the devil. On the third day, Jesus was resurrected. And I have a theory. Each day, God said, day one, I will not. Day two, I will not. Day three, I will not let you down. Acts 2 tells us that. He says, I won't leave you in hell. I won't let your body to see decay and corruption. I won't let you down. And imagine in hell, every day come this thunderous roar. I will not forsake you. <laughs> day two, I will not forsake you. Day three, I will not forsake you. And Jesus rose from the grave. It's the promise of God, the confidence that love has. God says, I'm not going to let you down. You can have confidence in my love for you, my fierce, loyal love for you. The spirit and the water and the blood. I will not, I will not, I will not. The spirit bears witness to the love of God. The Holy Ghost, Romans 5, 5, has been poured out into our heart. Anytime you feel a little wheel inside, a little shake, a little tremor, a little sign of God's presence, he's saying, this is the witness of my love for you. Anytime you hear a word from God, an impression, a dream, a work of the Spirit, it is God's sign, I will never leave you or forsake you. He's been shed abroad in our heart, deposited inside us. The Spirit, the water, and the baptism. It's a sign. Jesus came as a man on behalf of all mankind, clothed with the love of God. I won't let you down. See, God was right there at the right time to reclothe mankind. And the blood, the cross of Jesus Christ, the greatest testimony of God's unfailing love. Whenever you think that God has forsaken you, think back to the cross. I have time to go into it, but you know, Zacchaeus, when he climbed up the tree, he got a new view of Jesus because the crowd had blocked him out. He couldn't see love. He climbs up a tree and he sees Jesus. We know that very tree, that there were the fruit that would pierce the fruit of that tree. Uh, three days uh, after it ripened. So they would pierce it and then they would pick it three days later. And they would allow all the gunk to come out. It was a picture of Jesus being pierced at the cross for us. His blood poured out. He did that for us. He loved us. The whole uh, tree of Zacchaeus is a, a wonderful picture of God's love. He gives us a new view of his love. I won't let you down. I won't let you down. I won't let you down. You can have confidence today in the love of God. Jesus finds the lost sheep. I will not forsake you. Holy Spirit finds the lost coin. I won't forsake you. Father finds the lost son. I won't forsake you. Right through the scripture, we have it over and over and over again to get it inside us. God will never leave us or forsake us. It, Ephesians 3.17 says that Christ would dwell in our hearts by faith, that we would be rooted and grounded in love. I want you to make a decision today to clothe yourself in love, to put on love. And we're going to do that today by these three quick things. 
we're going to put the word first place. We will not be moved by our feelings. We are going to learn to develop faith in the love of God. So you develop faith in God's love like you develop faith for finances or any other area. It's all the same. Want to develop faith in the subject? You get the word and you put it inside you. Psalms 23 verse 6 says, Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. You put that inside you. You wake up, you feel like no one loves you. You wake up, you feel like the world's against you. And you say, that's maybe the sense realm, but I don't live in the sense realm. I live in the realm of love. And as I stay in that, my faith in God's love will master everything that I see and feel in the natural. And I choose to say this today, I am deeply loved by God. Some of you need to go into your bathroom and get your wife's mascara out or lipstick or whatever it is and write on your mirror. One John. Behold, what love God has lavished on and put your name there. And now he calls me a child of God and that is who I am. And you feast on that. How long? As long as it needs. As long as it, until it gets inside you. And you'll know when it's got inside because faith in that will begin to speak to your circumstances. And when your circumstances defy your faith, you go back to the Word and you get it inside you again. It's not rocket scientists. Even a child can enter the kingdom. I keep saying this, but the devil has come to many of you and said, you can't do it. You can't live the life of faith. It's over your head. And I'm telling you, that is a lie from the pit. It is such a lie. It is simple as this for a child. Get the scripture. Feed on the love of God. Well, how do I feed on the love of God? What did Jesus do? Use the word. It is written. When the sense realm defied him, and they said, where's your father? Nowhere to be found. He said, it is written. It is written. I'll tell you where my father is. I'm the living epistle. He's inside me. His word is full inside. I am a living expression of the word. And out of from within him, he said, he rebuked the enemy with the word. So we get the word in us. We put the word first place. And when you hear orphan language coming out, well, the enemy works out. I don't know if you speak like that. <laughs> Nothing's ever going to be, he or he or, you know, everyone, everyone's against me. I'm never going to get ahead. I'm never going to own a home. It's all too hard. I'm listening to the news. The world's going to blow up on the 23rd of September. It's all too hard. Get the word in you. As soon as you hear that language, see, you need to listen what's coming out of your mouth and how your body's reacting to life. Some of us need to walk around with a tape recorder stuck around our head and then replay it for the day and listen to the language and it'll tell you whether you're in or out of love. Put the word first place. This is a simple. Just, I'm just reminding you now of what you already know. Meditate on the scriptures too concerning God's love. Meditation develops the capacity for faith. So by meditation, I mean you put yourself in the heart of the Father. This is difficult, particularly for men, because many of us cut off our imagination in our teenage years for valid reasons. So we shut down the imagination and what the enemy has used our sights and, and, and our senses and exposed our imagination to shut it down is actually to rob us from the heart of God. 
That's his ultimate aim. So we won't be able to imagine deep affection and attraction in the heart of God. So we begin to rebuild those muscles. We begin to imagine. I know this sounds strange, but I imagine myself inside literally the heart of God, free-falling. And you say, well, that's weird, but it's working. So what, what are you doing? You're imagining the sense realm, worry, anxiety, stress. You're breathing in the wrong smoke, and now it's got you whipped. So we come back. See, Isaac, he meditated in the field, and he opens his eyes, and he sees a camel coming with his wife on it. What you meditate upon comes to you. I'm not telling you how to meditate, but the imagination is so powerful. We see ourselves loved by God. You do it however you like. Maybe I'm weird, but I've got a way of doing it. And you need to find your way of closing your eyes and seeing the smile of God upon you. See him following you. Surely goodness and mercy. What does that look like? Meditate upon it. What does it look like when a man is loved or a woman is loved by God? And thirdly, we need to act on the word concerning the love of God. One John 4.11 says, If God so loved us, if God so loved us, not if God so loved us, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. For no man has seen God at any time, but if we love one another, God is in us and his love is perfected. So my relationship with Walter is a living measurement of my love for God and his love for me and my revelation of that. Because I can't see God. So some people say they love God and God loves them. And then you see the way they treat people. You think, hmm, that's strange. And maybe... What we're seeing in the wider context, and hear me careful, carefully, maybe part or a fraction of what we're seeing of the turmoil in our nation is a reflection that the church of Jesus Christ has not been perfected in love. We've tried to facilitate the mind of God without first being established in the heart of God. Jesus was full of Grace and truth. You administer truth without love and grace, and it's repulsive. It's called being a Pharisee. So what the Pharisees often did wasn't wrong. It was the hard attitude. They gave, but without a heart of love. So we act on the word concerning love. We practice loving one another so the love of God will be perfected in us. We decide to live the life of love. You actually have to decide You've got to wake up in the morning and say, I'm going to love better. I'm going to love my husband better or my wife better or my children better. And, and sometimes I say that and I, I have a really bad day and I fail. And I don't live up to what I thought. Well, love is perfected. You, you practice it. It, it, will, it will find a way. So you get up again the next day and say, I'm going to work harder. I'm going to, by the Spirit, because this, this is not conjuring up my own natural strength. When I say I'm going to work harder, I'm going to work harder, spend time with the Father, let Him love me again. So whenever I react to people, I just have to go back to the secret place. It's not like, oh, oh what's the use? This love thing's not for me. No, 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 no. Just go back again. 
And if you have to spend an hour, two, ten, three weeks, just do whatever it is. Come back again, try it out. Experiment. Oh, my love meter's gone up. I'm a little bit more tolerant now, more gracious, more kind. I'm not yelling at people that cut me off like I used to. <laughs> when I see people that are different to me, I'm not prejudging them. Different nationalities, different cultures, different faiths. God so loved the world, not just Christians. He loved everybody. So how's my love meter? So we practice love. What would it look like if love took over our lives, over our families, literally? But growing up, I saw love at times as something that was almost weak or powerless. You know, I'd read scriptures like, turn the other cheek. I saw no power in that. I saw power in faith, mighty miracles. But I'm beginning to see that love is the greatest power source of all. It's, it is the one force that cannot be quenched, that cannot be resisted. It will find a way. And what we see as failure because people have laid down their lives of love, God sees as the greatest victory. The cross looked like a failure. They crucified him. But love was buried as a seed and it grew up to become you and I. Love never fails. What would it look like if love took over your business, your transactions, your dealings with the government, Centrelink, all the things that frustrate us. He says we'll be known as his disciples because we love. Because there's something tangibly different about us. You know what it's like? You can walk down the street and you look in the eyes of someone and you say, I know that you know Jesus. You can see it. Love is tangible. You carry a presence about you. And that's my desire, my quest, that I would pursue the life of love. So as you've got your eyes closed, I want to pray this prayer over you. You may want to lift your hands. You don't have to, but I want you to open your hearts and just let your hearts agree with this prayer today. I'm going to pray this prayer in a personal tense, but you can pray that too. I'm praying for you as I make it personal for me. My Father in heaven, I commit myself today to develop my faith in your love. I commit myself to your word to be pleasing to you, to walk in love even as your son Jesus walked in love. I make the quality decision today to walk in love, to talk in love, to think in love, and to respond to all things in love. I renounce fear and selfishness in the name of Jesus. It has no part in me. I am born of love. Love has taken over and I will walk in love. Holy Spirit, you are in me today. You are the one that makes the reality of love 
in my life. This is a supernatural work that you do as I work with you. You transform me into the love of the Father. So Father, today, by your Spirit, breathe on me. From the top of my head to the soles of my feet, spirit, soul, and body come in alignment, into alignment with the love of the Father. Breathe on me again and again and again and again until every breath that I breathe out is identical to the breath that I have breathed in. We love because you first loved. We breathe out because you breathed in. We pray that this week, everywhere we go, may we breathe out the very nature of the Father, the Son, and the Spirit, the love nature upon a world that is dying, is in bondage, is in fear, is full of selfishness that carries the orphan spirit. Let us breathe out. Lord, let us love as you love. We ask these things in the name of Jesus. Amen.